Hello, everybody. Welcome to Objective Religion, our podcast where we look at religion and society and culture and election 2020. I'm Dr. Frank Newport, sociologist and Gallup senior scientist. And I'm Reverend Nate Brantingham, Presbyterian minister and campus minister at the University of Illinois. And I'm Michael Lambert, producer from Baylor Institute for Studies of Religion. And welcome, Nate. Well, we're sitting here about a week after the election. The election has been officially called by Fox News, I should mention that first, and Associated Press and many of the other media outlets who look at the data. Uh, As we're speaking, President Trump has not conceded, has not announced that uh, he agrees with these results. Uh, The the key is here, I think, from our perspective, is what happened in this election relating to religion uh, and the election, religious groups in the election. We got some fascinating information on that. Yeah, and the other thing that that got me out of the news was watching the, I guess, the victory speech from Biden. Uh, he, he made a lot of religious references. So uh, that was the, that was the the sort of speech that you'd predict that you would hear. This sort of unifying, hey, now that I've won, let's come together. We've got work to do. Sort of message, very well delivered. Um, but in a lot of that case that he made was on religious grounds, referencing Ecclesiastes, referencing a hymn that's based on one of the Psalms that's very beloved. And I, I thought that was really fascinating. It wasn't doesn't look like he was just using that Bible stuff as some of cues for the election. It seems like it's integrated in as, mm-hmm. as is, I think, true with his character into the way he sees his life and politics and his role. Yeah, you're referring to the speech there at the drive-in victory speech, right, in Wilmington, yes. Delaware, That's right. uh, where he lives. And, and I had uh, I watched the speech, but you reminded me before we went on the air here that he did, in fact, uh, refer to, what, Ecclesiastes uh, to every time there is a season, that right, reference. Right, right, right. And then uh, he, as you said, he had a hymn. He quoted from a hymn, so, a religious hymn. And, yeah. and did he, he read a psalm or talk about one of the psalms as well? Oh, the hymn's based on a psalm, so. Okay, but, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Very that's... Interesting. Well, what's interesting about that, Nate, and we're going to come to that as we go through this podcast, is the degree to which highly religious individuals who are Trump supporters uh, are so negative on on Biden compared to Trump, right? Uh, which I think is a real core message that we have here is despite his personal faith, uh, despite yeah. his lifelong Catholicism, despite what you just said, his reference to faith when he talks about the election and his own candidacy and what's going to happen to the nation— Uh, He's viewed as uh, certainly not viewed in a positive way by a lot of highly religious Americans. There's a lot of vitriol maybe just left over from the election. We'll see if maybe that will temper a little bit in time. But absolutely, it doesn't seem like there's a rallying behind him. For the conservative votes, it seems like it is, as before, as we talked about, it's policy. It's always about Mm -hmm. policy, not the personal piety of the person leading the party. Uh, Nate, what do you think the most, uh, the question that I get, have been asked the most since the election? Uh, probably about the shifts, where they are or where they're, and why they're not, but also as a pollster, how'd you get it so wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the the dust is still settling. Uh, and, and of course, uh, I'm an outside observer. I wasn't involved directly in doing polling on this, but of course, polling is my life, so I followed it very carefully. Now, we have to wait and see, but I would say a couple of things here, and we've talked about polling. Every podcast we've done from August on, we said, what are the polling showing right now about the outcome of the election? And I would have to say that in the very broadest sense, the polls said that uh, Biden would win the popular vote and he would win the Electoral College. 
Well, he did, both of those. So in a very broad sense, you can say the polls were correct. But it looks like to me that Biden will win the popular vote by maybe four percentage points uh, when all the votes come in from California and elsewhere, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. Uh, and the polling you know, showed probably, if you look at the averages, that he was going to win the popular vote by uh, seven, eight percent, maybe nine percent. So clearly he did not win the popular vote by as wide a margin as the polls said he would. And that's an interesting study in and of itself. And more importantly, we come back to the state polls. Same issue we had in 2016 um, in a number of these very, very close battleground swing states. The polling had shown Biden winning by a significantly higher margin than he actually won by. Florida is one case. He lost Florida. Uh, polling showed him slightly ahead there, but certainly the polling showed him significantly winning in Wisconsin, and he barely won in Wisconsin. Uh, he did win by, you know, two or three percentage points in Michigan, but the polling had a higher in Michigan. Pennsylvania, he's won uh, that state, but, you know, by at the current time, as I look at the data, less than a percentage point, and a lot of polling had him winning by more than that. So that's going to be something else that pollsters look at. Uh, you know, in these states and, and nationwide, uh, it seems to be, as was the case in 2016, it's very hard to pick up the Trump vote extremely accurately in these pre-election polls. Yeah, and that brings some question about how accurate the post-election polls are as well. But we have what we have, so uh, and we do have some data coming in. So in a moment, we're going to look at that, and we'll talk about where the shifts are and probably, as of interest, where they're not. Mm -hmm. Well, well, you know, as we look at these now, I would say, Nate, the big story is uh, when we compare what we know about the vote by religious segment in 2016 with what we know about the religious vote by segment in 2020, not much change. You know, we talked again and again, right, in, in all of our podcasts about how strongly the Biden campaign was attempting to disrupt these patterns since he was a right. faithful Catholic. He had appointed a a, a individual who was tasked with doing nothing but reaching out to evangelical Protestant voters. And yet when the dust settles here and we look at the data, everything seems pretty much the same from 2016 as we look at religious group by religious group. Yeah, I, I like this quote by Elizabeth Burning who said, from the New York Times, who said, white evangelicals have now blended so seamlessly into the broader Republican base that adherents and observers say that the label has become more of a political than a religious one. Electing Republicans has become, for many evangelicals, an end in itself. And that means that Biden's efforts to change that pattern, right, uh, talk about his faith, uh, reach out to evangelicals. A lot of evangelical leaders came out for Biden, not Trump. White evangelical leaders didn't seem to make much difference, as, as you just quoted uh, right, Elizabeth Bruning from the New York Times is saying. Right. I mean, the effort there to say, hey, look how much we have in common through our faith. Therefore, I'm I'm not the enemy. You can vote for me. That doesn't work if the electing Republicans is the goal and he's not a Republican. It's just it just that that's a bridge that can't be mm -hmm. crossed. And it seems like that bridge wasn't very effectively crossed. Yeah, let's look at the data on that. Um, we have two different sources of exit polls uh, here, Nate. We have the AP. Uh, NORC, that stands for National Opinion Research Corporation at the University of Chicago, they teamed together to do a vote cast exit poll, uh, the details of which are available online, won't go into that now. And then Edison Research conducted the more traditional exit polls, which is a combination of stopping people as they came out of the polling place, plus doing interviews uh, via phone and internet with people who voted before the election. 
Uh, we have those exit polls as well, and then we compare those. Uh, we can compare those to the exit polls done by uh, Edison back in 2016. So white evangelical Christians, uh, everybody agrees, were about 23% of the voting uh, block, uh, voting group this year. That's pretty big. One out of four uh, voters, uh, apparently, uh, roughly, were white evangelical Christians this time. That's a big group. Yeah, mm-hmm. you want that group. <laughs> with yeah, one of yeah, four. That's, that's one of the biggest segments we have other than Catholics and nuns, which we'll come back to. Uh, what do the data show? Well, uh, the vote cast, AP vote cast, says 81% voted for Trump. The 2020 exit polls done by Edison said 76% voted for Trump. So we got 76 to 81%. And the 2016 exit polls, Nate said that 80% voted for Trump. So essentially... W- Maybe a point or two shifting here or there, but almost the same. Yeah, that, that's what's remarkable about it. Uh, despite all the efforts, uh, I mean, both ways, you know, Trump spent an incredible amount of time focusing on uh, the evangelical vote in his four years in office and in his campaigning. So he didn't get a higher percent, I think it's fair to say. But as we've yeah. been talking about here in this podcast today, Biden spent an incredible amount of time, not an incredible, what's, I'm not sure that's the right adjective, but he certainly. And his campaign staff decided to go after him, and, and he didn't get much more of the vote. So all of those efforts were in vain in terms of shifting significantly the white evangelical vote. One of the things I'm noticing when I'm looking at these exit poll totals, uh, and maybe this is a trend, is that in 2020 there was less third-party voting. Uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And, I th- and I think that's either side. A lot of people thought, well, if you take the third party out, the Democrats are going to pick up a lot. But that appears actually not to be the case. Republicans as well picked up quite a few votes when third party dropped so that the totals become a little tighter so you can see that okay it's the vote for trump's about the same but on the evangelical side it does look like the vote for biden did tick up a bit and it and that gain came out of third party yeah if you look at the uh, i think you're correct when you look at the edison exit poll in 2016 to the edison exit poll in 2020 biden picked up some Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks like perhaps. So, uh, you know, these are estimates. The exit polls are as much a sample-based estimate as are the pre-election polls. So we have to have a margin of error around all of these. They're not exact numbers like the vote totals are where you actually count votes. So perhaps Biden had a little success, but I would say then when you look at the vote cast, he was back down where he was in 2016. So So, uh, all in all, not, not not huge shifts in either direction. How's that? Yeah, I, I would take that. There's no no shocking surprise shift where mm-hmm. suddenly it moved from one side to another. There's monumental gains. And Nate, I would point out that the overall vote, even though let's let's assume that when all the votes are in, Biden will have a four percent win over Trump. Well, Hillary Clinton had a two percent win over Trump in 2016. So that's really not a lot of change in the popular no. vote, you, you know, percentage no. point wise. No, Trump goes down percent. one per point, Biden goes up one point, and there you go. That's right. a 4% spread. So given that overall result, we wouldn't expect to see major shifts in any of these subgroups uh, because the total has to be roughly the same. So uh, right. what about Catholics? Biden's a Catholic, right? Fourth, I think, is that what we said again and again? Fourth Catholic nominee for a major party in U.S. history? And here we are, about 22% of the vote, um, and not major changes. Mm-hmm. All within uh, that kind of margin of error that we're looking at before. Maybe picked up a few points. Looks like it did pick up a few, um, but nothing major. 
Yeah, the, roughly speaking, the Catholic vote is split. And we said that prior to the election, as we talked about it, and that's what the exit polls show. The AP vote cast exit polls showed 49-50. Can't get much more split than yeah, that. Yeah, no, right? that's right down the middle. <laughs> Between Biden and Trump. The uh, Edison exit poll showed 51-47, Biden over um, Trump by about four points. And then when we look back at 2016, it was 46-50. Uh, Trump over Hillary Clinton by about four points. So if you just look Edison to Edison, as you, I think, just alluded to, uh, it looks like Biden might have picked up a few points compared to where Hillary Clinton was. Right. And, and he's a Catholic. You might have expected a higher uh, shift, right? One of their own, so to speak. Uh, but we didn't see I, it in no. 2004 when John Kerry was a Catholic. I don't think he uh, you know, caused any significant uh, uptick in Catholic vote. And, and we're not seeing it here. No, with record turnouts, I expected, because we're also looking at larger totals in mm -hmm. these votes than we've ever seen before, I expected it to be more disruption than there was. It is, to me, fairly shocking how right down the middle this country is. It'd be almost hard, it would be harder to get us more straight in the middle. I don't think, I think Pepsi Coke, I, I, we're not going to be, <laughs> this is the most divisive and it's mm -hmm. so important, and yet it's just straight down the middle, and almost nothing seems to change it. We're talking about yeah. a few percentage points here or there determines the entire election. Uh, this is a very divisive election season. We probably, I think a lot of people in the polls picked up that there'd be a lot of big shifts, a lot of new voter turnout, and that would push up Biden, for example, a lot of people being turned off by uh, Trump's attitude that would push down on that side, and yet, here we are. Not a lot of change. And... John Kennedy got, according to the polling, way back in 1960. You remember this well, Nate, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Was 1960. Uh, he got 80% plus of the Catholic vote. But as I said, uh, Kerry didn't seem to do extremely well on, or unusually different in 20, uh, 2004 when Kerry ran against George W. Bush, and Kerry was a Catholic. Yeah. I don't think Kerry made nearly as much out of his Catholicism as Biden has uh, you know, this, in this election. But same thing, we just don't see the, the Catholic uh, religion of the Democratic nominee making a big difference, it looks like, on the Catholic vote this time. I think uh, there's also, yeah, I think there's an argument to maybe that the Catholic grouping is also the most broad in terms of, like, the Protestants have Good broken point. down a lot of things. Catholic is a very broad umbrella, and it picks up a lot of uh, people mm -hmm. who are just mildly religious as well as people who are very religious, and some people who just identify as Catholic but aren't religious at all. And so it makes sense with a broader sample like that from a bunch of different people from walks of life that it would more mirror the American mm -hmm. population in yeah. general, and it does. It's the only group yeah. that's really, really tight with the broader sample. Yeah, very good point. And we pointed out when you ask about abortion and same-sex marriage, Catholics, uh, such a large group, basically mirror uh, America as a whole. Should point out you can also split Catholics by white Catholics versus uh, Hispanic Catholics. Right. And there is a difference there. White Catholics went more Trump from what I've seen. There's not a lot of good exit polling on that. Hispanic Catholics tended to go more Biden. So you can start to uh, split up the Catholic vote in of itself. And also you can split uh, very active Catholics who would tend to be more Trump versus lapsed Catholic, who still identifies Catholic uh, to a pollster, but who don't go to mass very often, they're more likely to be Biden. So you can segment the Catholic population, but the bottom line here overall is Catholics were split, just like the country. And the, and the, the bigger sh um, trend of the more religious you are, the more Republican you are, is holding very, very tight. 
as well. We're seeing that. We're looking at it. We have some data here where it's broken down. How often do you go to church? If you don't go to church that often, you're probably going to be more Democrat. If you go to church a lot, you're probably going to be more Republican. That by about two to th- uh, two-thirds to one-third in both extreme, that seems mm-hmm. to be holding. Uh, yeah, I wrote that in my book. I wrote a book about a religion, you know, a while back, and that was one of the chapters, the R&R rule, that the more religious, the more Republican. Here we have it right in the data in 2020. Uh, look at look at the two groups at either end of that spectrum. Those who attend church once a week or more versus those who never attend church is just a mirror image based on the exit poll data in this election, right? Uh, over 60% of those who attend church once a week or more voted for Trump. Yep. And what about those who say they never attend church? Over 60% voted yep. for Biden. So it's just a complete mirror image, which is really... Uh, a reconfirmation of what we've seen and also a reconfirmation of the fact we're not seeing a lot of change. What about the nuns? Well, the nuns are really interesting to me. They d- they're definitely still leaning Biden. Uh, that's that's We know that. And we can see that both in the never data that you have there and also those who specifically identify as nuns. So there's two yeah, different Tell our groups, listeners right? what nuns are again. Uh, yeah, so the, said, people <laughs> have chided me on that previously. They said, who are nuns? nuns? And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, we mm-hmm. were just talking about Catholics, not the Catholic mm-hmm. nuns, but the, those who, when asked what their religious affiliation are, they say none of the above. So mm-hmm. Don't have a formal religious identity. Right. And that's different from people who don't go to church, because you might mm-hmm. say, I'm Catholic, I just never go to church. But anyway, both of those groupings lean heavy Biden. We know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the AP vote cast had 72% of nuns going for Biden. The Edison polls had 65% going for Biden. Go back to 2016, the Edison exit polls back there had 67% going for Hillary Clinton. So if you just compare the Edison poll four years ago to the Edison exit poll now, absolutely no change, except... Except it looks like some points got picked up on the Trump side. That's... Mm -hmm. And and so look, that's probably... So how can you have points pick up on one side and not go down on the other? That's going to be third-party votes moving out of third party and into uh, the the two silos. And it seems like Trump may have picked up some points on the nuns, which is pretty surprising. Yeah. Now, again, these are estimates from sure. the exit polls. So I'm hesitant and loathe, so to speak, to make a huge deal out of a, a change of a few points in these sample estimates, but that's what it looks like. The third party vote went down among nuns this time, and to the extent that we can use these data to figure out what happened to them, they went to Trump. Right. Worth Uh, worth at least watching, right? Mm -hmm. Some other small groups, Mormons. Uh, More so, again, we don't have the Edison poll this time didn't even break out Mormons, too few of them in their sample. But the uh, vote cast said 71% of Mormons, uh, Latter-day Saints, went for uh, Trump. And back in 2016, it was only 56%, according to exit polls. So that's a big enough change, even though it's two different types of polls, to suggest Mormons kind of came home uh, to the Republican candidate in this election. Which we have talked to going into it. It was a lot clearer which way they were going to go. That Mm -hmm. felt like that was a group that was in play and might come in strong in very key states for, uh, for Biden, or at least more down the middle than before. But turns out, no, they went strong for Trump. Yeah, and Arizona was one of those states where I think they had a third-party candidate who was Mormon who got a lot of the Mormon vote back four years ago. But Arizona has been called officially for Biden by Associated Press and some others. Uh, Some of the media outlets don't yet officially, as we're recording this, give Arizona to Biden, but he's certainly ahead in the popular vote. Mormons could have made a difference there, Uh, but it doesn't look like nationwide this small sliver— uh, in fact, 
the right. exit polls show about just one percent of all voters were Mormon. Uh, didn't seem to have any huge shift uh, overall uh, towards uh, Trump or Biden, except maybe with the third party leaving, they kind of returned home to Trump. Maybe that's the best way to summarize it. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to do that. Jewish uh, folk? Uh, about the same. I mean, no mm -hmm. real surprises, except again, it seems like there was some shift out of third party. And when that shift out of third party happened in the Jewish vote, same thing. It went a little bit. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. no, actually, it went almost entirely to Trump. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, third overall, party shift. Yeah. About seven, uh, seven out of 10 Jews nationwide uh, this time, according to the AP exit poll, voted for Biden. And, and it was 71 percent back in 2016. But as you say, the Trump votes a little higher in the vote cast, AP vote cast poll this time than last time. Small oh, samples. So, again, I would sample, be hesitant yeah. to make yeah. uh, about three percent of all votes, according to the exit polls, were Jewish this time. But they certainly skew, but not monolithically, towards the Democratic candidate uh, in, in most recent elections, including this one. Well, Trump did make some effort to get the Jewish vote by by talking about uh issues about the state the jewish state of israel mm -hmm. and that might that might have worked because he did look like he picked up almost 10 points out, out of that now again small sample size big margin of error there but so take it with a grain of salt but it does seem like mm -hmm. that effort might have paid off yeah uh, he also moved the u.s embassy right from tel aviv right, right. to uh, jerusalem which was something that really appealed i know to evangelicals but presumably could have had a a positive impact on some Jewish voters as well. Jews are always interesting as a voting block. We've discussed it in previous podcasts uh, because they skew Democratic in general, as we've seen here. And yet the Democrats uh, as a whole nationwide and also Democratic elected leaders tend to skew more sympathetically towards the Palestinians and not the Jews in the um, Israeli situation in the Middle East. So you've got all these strange bedfellows going on, right, uh, right. nationwide. Yeah. But yeah. even with that, uh, seven out of ten Jews voted for the Democratic candidate in this election, it looks like to us, based on the data. You know, Nate, I was looking through some of the press coverage of this election uh, relating to religion, and there were some interesting quotes uh, from different people that I thought really kind of underscored uh, what we were seeing here. Uh, one that really struck me came in some reporting, and this is just a random person. They picked up a random Trump supporter in Iowa, but she said, Biden doesn't stand for Christianity at all. Maybe he will prove me wrong. It scares me. He's not going to do everything that Trump did. So that's a good example of what we see here. This is a evangelical, we assume, voting for Trump. And uh, Biden, despite his uh, very, very public Christian Catholic faith, uh, she views is not Christian at all. What do you think about that? It's 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 what I'm used to now. I mean, at this point, I'm like, yeah, that tracks. Um, that's mm -hmm. what we're seeing. And a lot of the quotes, some of these other ones kind of pick up some of that I've been seeing kind of pick up that same sort of theme. Uh, Trump has done so much. And by so much, we mean policies and we often mean judges. It's, that's kind of code for that. Trump's done so much, got us so many judges. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's policies over person. Policy over person, yep. Yeah, so, yeah. so Biden in his personal life certainly has a history of being much more religious than Trump in his personal life, right? Right. Uh, and yet we have a lot of these uh, voters who voted for Trump who are highly religious saying that doesn't matter, it's the uh, policy over person. 
fact, there was one quote in another news story from a pastor, an evangelical pastor, who said, quote, I guess I'm voting more this party versus that party than I am the individuals because I don't like President Trump at all. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That kind of underscores yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, um, that it's, uh, it's not, he doesn't care about the personal standing of these two individuals, it's the policies. It something, this yeah. policy versus person, how's that, P versus P, uh, that we've talked about so much, really seemed to be the case, uh, the ruling factor when we look at the evangelical vote in this election. Should we hit a few more, or do you want to just... Yeah, kind of well, don't, let me mention. Sure. We've talked about Robert Jeffries before pastor of First Baptist Church Dallas. That's an iconic, huge Southern Baptist church. Uh, has a lot of history, of course. It's a huge church. Robert Jeffries, strong supporter of Trump. Minister Robert Jeffries, graduate of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, he said, a Joe Biden win cannot erase all the positive accomplishments that can be attributed to President Trump, Jeffries said. I don't think there is any way to calculate all the good things that he, meaning President Trump, has accomplished. So there again, policy, I- right? Yeah, well, and I think it's fascinating about this one, and it echoes the other one that you brought up earlier. In neither case are they actually saying what it was that Trump did. In fact, here it's specifically saying, I can't even count it. It's just so mm-hmm. much. Um, but they're not actually giving us enough. They're not saying because he did X. So we have to kind of interpret that through the lens. What what did he do? Mm-hmm. What, well, all we know the accomplishments he appointed three Supreme Court judges, right? Right. So I think mm-hmm. I think what they're talking about is judges. He, he They're saying... Trump gave us judges. Biden won't give us judges. He'll give us a more liberal mm-hmm. voice on the Supreme Court. And and that's it. That's Yeah. And, and also Trump talked a lot about the evangelical interests. You know, he explicitly said, uh, I have your back here. Um, it, and he talked about R- things like churches not being right. allowed to open because of the pandemic and said, I won't allow this. I want the churches to open. He talked about the infringement of government policies, say, on health care, forcing uh, religious entities or Catholic entities to engage in things they don't want to engage in, like providing abortions and other stuff like that. So th- those are some right. of the things I think that if we pressed Pastor Jeffries and others to tell us why they really like Trump, he would probably come back and give us. Right. And, and But that, too, is going to come back to and he's going to give us judges that share that opinion and are going to def- because that that's going to that gets settled in the courts. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's the cornerstone, I think, of that support. I, I, and I, th- I think for me, this kind of gets summed up by, the, by another quote and says, when we're talking about the character of Biden versus Trump's character, the person says, after considering their options, they decided that policy is character. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So the, what we think of as character, and what I have to say a lot of people said was character when it came to Bill Clinton, right, and mm, what went on there, true, the true. Uh, mm-hmm. you know actions for which he was impeached. Uh, people now are saying, actually, it's the policies which really matter. And as you say, policies become character. So that's point number one. You know, point number two, in summary, I would say that we learned in this election is that the religious structure of the American electorate is pretty firmly set in place. And it's going to take more than a, a devout Catholic like Joe Biden uh, and a individual like Donald Trump really pushing the evangelical message to disrupt that or change that. Things just don't change very much, it looks like, um, when we come really to don't. religious segments and voting. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Things seem much more sedentary than I expected, that's for sure. 
So our bottom line here is policy is character, number one. Number two is things don't change. How's that? That's right. That's <laughs> right. The more they change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> yeah, right. has, uh, some profound insight <laughs> here, right? Go. Yeah. I, yeah. I usually tell people the only constant is change because, you know, a lot of things do right. change. You know, right. Look at uh, what happened to uh, Blockbuster Video, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you would say to those entrepreneurs, you got to constantly be moving and changing and changing. The customer taste change. Everything changes in life. That's kind of been one of my mantras. But a lot of things apparently don't change when it comes to the voting structure of the American public. That's right. You've been listening to Objective Religion. We appreciate your listening. This is our podcast where we look at the intersection of religion, society, and right now, election 2020. Our podcast is conducted and produced in partnership with Baylor University's Institute for Studies of Religion. I'm Dr. Frank Newport, sociologist and Gallup senior scientist. And I'm Reverend Nate Branty. I'm Presbyterian minister and campus minister at the University of Illinois. And I'm Michael Lambert, producer from Baylor ISR. We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to leave us a message at 254-237-3298 with questions or comments, or send us an email at objectivereligionpodcast at gmail.com.